0: Hello and welcome to section 2, episode 20 of the LFC Fan Zone podcast. I'm Sam Iles. And I'm Jack Ellis. And each episode, we'll be talking to an ex Legionnaire player or manager about their time at the club.
1: All of our episodes can be found on our LUFC Fan Zone YouTube channel, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And last episode was the first section of episode 20 with Jonathan Woodgate, who spoke to us about winning the FA Youth Cup in 1997 with the squad consisting of Paul Robinson, Harry Kewell and Stephen MacPhail, just to name a few, as well as breaking into the first-team squad aged just 19, as well as some of the off-field problems he encountered at the club, such as his ongoing court case during the early 2000s, and how he dealt with the tragic events in Istanbul the night before the UEFA Cup semi-final against Galatasaray.
0: This section, Jonathan speaks about Leeds' European adventure in 2001 and reaching the Champions League semi-final against Valencia, as well as his departure to Newcastle to generate some funds for Leeds' financial trouble after the side crashed out of Europe. Woody also speaks about his time in management and coming up against Marcelo Bielsa as Middlesbrough boss last season. And he also answers your four questions at the end of the show.
1: Leeds finished third in the Premier League that season, which meant the side qualified for the Champions League for the upcoming 2000-2001 season which was a huge achievement. And despite once again spending a lot of money on new players, the Premier League form wasn't the best, with Leeds sitting 12th in the Premier League in the new year. And the same can't be said about the run in the Champions League. After overcoming 1860 Munich in the qualifying round, Leeds were drawn in a first-round group consisting of Barcelona, AC Milan and Besiktas. Could it have got much tougher than that? <laughs> I couldn't believe it when the draw came out. I
2: but the funny thing is, you win that, you get out of that group, and you won't even hide the group. Yeah. <laughs> getting that, getting that draw, we were like, we couldn't wait, we couldn't wait to play some of them games. But like I said, going back to, to Turkey to Galatasaray playing Besiktas didn't sit really well with us. you know? I mean, I know it's a different set of fans, and they're against each other, but it's still that same, same area. But what a group to get drawn in for you, for you. The Champions League, we were all delighted with it to be honest. First game was Barcelona, was we got beat four nil, didn't we?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Leeds also progressed through the second group stage and bet Deportivo in the quarterfinals and advanced to the semi finals where Leeds were drawn against Valencia. It was a huge achievement for Leeds to even get that final competition. But after drawing nil nil at Ellen Road in the first leg, how optimistic were you that Leeds could go to Spain and beat Valencia and maybe go even all the way and win the competition?
2: Well, I think we were confident. And we always, with football, it's one step at a time. Um, so we were confident we would go and win the game in the Mastaya. But they were a top team, by the way. We got, In my view, we got work that game. With Mendieta in the team, he was pulling the strings, Kili Gonzalez on the wing. They were a, a really, really top outfit. I think it was Baraka and Albel that played. who were, uh, again... Two top midfielders. We didn't. We 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 didn't get goal. We really and got well beat on the day mm. three 0 you know? But you know, after you, you you jumped a bit from the first group stage. After you win the group, you go into another group. So it's another four games. Yeah. And we had like Real Madrid, Lazio, and who was the other one? Real Madrid, Lazio, Ah, uh, I can't remember the other one. Be on your screen but again. <laughs> if you, you, you played against Barcelona. In uh, in AC Milan, then you go to play Real Madrid and, and uh, in Lazio. Yeah, it's just I couldn't believe. It. That's one of my best games I played for Leeds, actually against Lazio. away yeah. One of my best
0: in, ever games. Ever. In that first group stage, Leeds played went to the San Siro, of course, to get the one-one draw thanks to Don Matteo's header. And you, you missed that game through injury, I think. But what was that night in Milan like?
2: First and foremost, I was absolutely devastated to win the game <laughs> uh, to to be injured going to the San Siro. But Dom popped up and what a header! I think it's still famous now in, with with, Le- with all the Leeds fans, isn't it? Oh, yeah. We still um, sing it, yeah. Of course, we do, yeah. Um, and what a what a brilliant night. what a brilliant night for the Leeds fans. Even when they went when they were to Lazio after the Lazio game, we all come out the tunnel and started doing a sing song with the Leeds fans. Yeah, honestly, on YouTube somewhere where you see the or a documentary or something where. The the, uh, the Leeds fans are singing and we've come out and singing all the Leeds songs. It was brilliant. What a moment.
0: <laughs> and like I said, unfortunately, Valencia beat Leeds 3-0 at the Mastaya. And because of Leeds finishing fourth in the league, the side returned to the UEFA Cup for the following year. But in that next season, Leeds continued their amazing league form from the back end of the previous campaign and lost just twice between the first match of the season against Southampton. And the first of January, meaning that Leeds had lost just four times in the Premier League in the calendar year of two thousand and one. You didn't feature as much for Leeds that year because of injury. However, halfway through the season when Leeds had just finished that great run, how what were your feelings about Leeds winning the league again compared to the previous season because of that fantastic run?
2: Well, I think we always had a I think we always had a chance of winning it because of the, the caliber of players that we that we brought in. I mean, uh, Rio came in. Um, Robbie Fowler came in, if I'm right. Robbie Keane came in. Um, Seth Johnson. There was loads of different players coming in. So we were always rebuilding, rebuilding and rebuilding. And I think that's important you do that. So I always thought we, we had a chance of doing it. I didn't think we'd fall short like we did in, in, in such a way because we had a really good group and a good team.
0: And because the side got knocked out of the UEFA Cup in the fourth round to PSV and got beat to Cardiff in the FA Cup third round and went out of the League Cup in the second, In total, Leeds had ten less games that season compared to the previous campaign, and obviously you want to win every single match. But how much did playing less fixtures and especially less European football allow you to concentrate more on the league and the Premier League?
2: Yeah, but as young players, you just want to play game, game, game. If it was me, I'd love to play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday all the way through the season because it's just game after game after game, and you get a bit of a you get a routine going. In your play, and you get more of a routine with your players, and you know because we had a big squad at that time, we can we can sort of rotate and bring different players in. One of not one of my regrets is, but I wonder if if Dave O'Leary regrets playing weekend sides in league cups or in FA cups or or whatever. Because for me, try and win it. Try and win every trophy you can, and the league cups probably one of the not the, well. You get a bit of an advantage because the bigger teams are sometimes resting the players, and you've got a chance to win. And if we'd have brought it over at Ellen Road, it'd have been, it'd have been marvellous. Well, that's one of, not so much marvellous, but I wonder if the managers regret that, not playing them really good teams, yeah. got a chance of winning them, going out in the second round of the League Cup. Yeah. Who do you go after? I think it was Liverpool. Liverpool at Ellen Road, which is yeah, I fair enough, but Cardiff. Yeah. I don't know what the team was on that day. Do you know what I mean? Like Why yeah. didn't we win when we should have?
1: However, a... Once again, Leeds' performance in the second half of that 2001-2002 season saw them slip away from the title challenges and finish 5th in the Premier League despite a fantastic start. At the end of the season, despite Leeds finishing in the UEFA Cup spot once again, manager David O'Leary, someone who had given your Leeds debut and throughout many other young players in the first team, was sacked. Did you think that was the right decision because... During his time at the club, like I mentioned, he helped you and the other players make the transition into first team football. But throughout his four years at Leeds, fifth was his lowest finished position in the league.
2: We were also—I couldn't believe it. I think I got a phone call off my dad, and he said, "Have you seen the news?" I went, "No." He said, "Oh, uh, David Levy's been set. I went, "What?" He said, "Jay's yeah, gone." I, c- I couldn't believe it because I didn't think it was on the horizon to be to get the bullet. You know, okay, we finished fifth. We had spent a lot of money. That's a, that's a that's a fact. But I was, I was really surprised and I was good because he, he did give you my debut. Um, he did put trust in us to, to play. I think he, I think there was a book brought out that time as well, which didn't go down too well with the chairman, I think. Um, so I think that had something to do with it, uh, as well, really. Um, but yeah, shocked, really
1: shocked. And, um... The managerial change seemed to be the start of the decline for Leeds, both on and off the pitch. On it, Terry Venables was David O'Leary's replacement, someone who had joined Leeds with a vast amount of managerial experience, having managed at England, Tottenham and even Barcelona prior to his arrival at Ellen Road. But what did you make of that appointment? And how did he differ from David O'Leary? Oh,
2: I, I was—I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, Terry Venables, up. Fantastic manager. I was thinking to myself, I want to work with one of the best managers here. He's going to bring me on even more than I am now. I'm going to get even better and better and better working with this this top manager. In my view, the brochure was totally different to what he he was given. He said he, he must have been sold the best holiday in the world and it turned up to be an absolute cabbage patch, if you know <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, leaving, yeah, he was going to Man United, I was going to leave him in January, which he uh, he couldn't do nothing about, there was other players leaving left, right and centre, so he must have been thinking what is happening, he's turned up with a squad um, being in the Champions League the season before the UEFA Cup finishing fourth and fifth and it's all getting pulled from underneath his feet I bet he couldn't believe it but he, he had an aura about him in the way he plays players it was great you know, his management skills with with, with the younger players and, and myself in particular was very very good, um, and I really enjoyed working with him. i just got it you know, only lasted for five or six months before I went to Newcastle. That was, that was the biggest thing. And, you know, I know he, he he got sacked in the end, but for me, that six months I at tell you Venables was 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 top draw, and I learned so much during them six months. Some things I still I still think about now when I'm when I'm coaching.
1: So I take it you had a good relationship with Terry Venables because we've spoken to Olivier Decor on a previous episode, and I'm sure you well know what his opinions are of Terry Venables. But uh, I take it you had a good relationship with him. Yeah,
2: really good relationship. But different players are different, aren't
1: they? Oh yeah, definitely. different players are different. and they see different
2: different points of view. And you know, I don't know how many times Olivier L- Olivia played under under Terry or. Did we need to sell Olivia to get him out? So Terry had to do the hard work to to get him out. If you know what I mean? Sometimes you in football clubs, there's different things going on that the fans the fans don't always see. So was Terry told that Olivia had to go, or did he have to make him go? Who knows? Maybe that's why Olivia doesn't like him. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> no, I can't speak for. Oh for no! Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. But uh, off the pitch, it was beginning to be clear that Leeds' financial problems were getting worse and worse and starting to affect the first team squad and at the start of that 2002-2003 season Leeds failed to spend the money that they had in previous years and instead sold two valuable players in the summer transfer window losing Rio Ferdinand to Manchester United for 30 million which at the time was a British transfer record as you probably know and Robbie Keane to Tottenham for £7 million. Although they were two huge losses, how much did that affect feel on losing them that season, which proved to be a hugely different campaign compared to the previous years under O'Leary?
2: Yeah, when you're at a club like, like Leeds and you're striving to be the best, you've been challenging the seasons before and you lose one of your best players, you think, which direction this club is going in? Is there an underlying problem? Obviously there was, they needed the money. But you, if you were a club... Challenging at the top, you wouldn't sell Rio Ferdinand, you just wouldn't, you, you wouldn't do it and you wouldn't sell Robbie Keane, that's what happened, I remember thinking to myself, well, which way, the, which, what direction the club are going in, and I'm sure a lot of the fans are thinking this, Um and I'm sure Terry Venable saw exactly the same, when you sell your best players, then it's going to be tough to get back in that, in the top four, but we didn't reinvest, did we, so we, we obviously needed the money.
0: Yeah, and that season was a stark contrast to the previous campaign. And at the start of December, Leeds were in 16th position and dangerously close to relegation compared to the previous year when they were fighting for the Premier League title. Like we said, they were the sale of Ferdinand and Keane. But do you think them two departures were that pivotal for Leeds' transformation on the pitch and the, how they declined? Well, I think it sends, it
2: sends a mindset. Don't get me wrong. We should be doing better as players. Um, a lot better. You can't always, you can't always put the blame at the managers. It's the players who who need to do more. And us as players take responsibility. You need to do more on the pitch. At times, it, it 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 didn't work. But like I say, when you lose a lot of top quality players, um, and 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 your and your
0: mindset can be can go a bit. Then you can find it difficult. And by January, Leeds were still struggling on the pitch in Europe and in the Premier League, getting knocked out of the UEFA Cup by Malaga in the third round and continuing continuing to sit close to the relegation zone. And off the pitch, the club were continuing to struggle too. And in January 2003, after seven years and over 100 Premier League appearances with Leeds, you were sold to Newcastle for a reported £9 million. How did that transfer work for you? Because you were one of Leeds's best players, despite still being 22 and 23. But it was, Leeds a bar- was wasn't it? Pardon?
2: The bargain, nine million. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but how how did it work for you? Because Leeds was struggling in the league. But was it a Was it a case of Leeds needing to sell you financial gain or part on your side to get a new challenge because of the way Leeds were going?
2: No, I didn't. I didn't want to leave Leeds. I've always I've always said that I never wanted to leave Leeds. It's something that I, I didn't want to do. Um, I remember getting told that listen, you've, you've got to go. I didn't want to go. I said, well, the club could go on if you don't go. Uh, I think it was towards right towards yeah. I think it was on the the last day, wasn't it? Yeah. So I knew what they were doing because I knew that the situation leads, and that's why they bid a low number in nine million. Um, and Leeds had to accept it, and I had to, I had to go. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't want to leave, but it's it's one of them things you've got to do to try and to try and save the football club. Um, I was going to a team which was on the up in Newcastle a manager who was Bobby Robson who got him into the semi-final of the, of the World Cup and who was renowned again a top manager who managed in Barcelona and and Porto um, and being hugely successful so I had to make the move but
0: let me tell you now I didn't want to leave Leeds And It was also reported that Leeds manager at the time Terry Venables was unaware of the club's pro- plans to sell you and that he told chairman Peter Isdale that if you were sold that he was planning to walk away from being manager of the club was that something you were aware of?
2: Um, only only afterwards only afterwards like I said I don't think Terry got sold the, the real brochure really um, but I heard that afterwards that he was going to walk away um, if, I, if I was sold I don't think he knew anything about it to be honest with you
1: Despite Venables' threats you were eventually sold to Newcastle and you had a large chunk of your career ahead of you. From Newcastle, you made the huge move over to Real Madrid in 2004 before returning to England and retiring at Middlesbrough in 2016, aged 36. However, after your career, you took up a role with Borough's coaching team in June 2019. Following the departure of Tony Pulis, you took up your first role as a first-team manager at Middlesbrough. And of course, at your time at Borough, you were in the Championship with Leeds, and you made your return to Ellen Road to manage your side in November 2019. What was that like for you, returning to Ellen Road, but in the opposition dugout instead? It was a proud moment.
2: A proud moment for me to, to do that, to to be the manager of my hometown team, playing against a club that I absolutely adore, and and, and I owe so much gratitude to. And The things that I'd done in the game, I, I couldn't have done it without Leeds United, really, and the coaching that i got and the development. So it was a proud one for me, really. Um, I remember analysing the Leeds team and thinking, this team is just absolutely relentless. That's one word I, des- I described you as before the game of my players. This team is relentless. And if you don't match them, you get whooped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after, after I think it was the first two minutes, you scored. And then we stayed in the game until about 30 seconds before half-time and we conceded another and then it's difficult. So you're going in, instead of 1-0 down, you're going in 2-0 down at half time. And then, you know, with, with the fans and, and how Leeds played at the time, it's difficult to get back in the game. We lost the game 4-0, but let me tell you something. The reception I got from the Leeds fans in that game was unbelievable. It sent shivers down my spine, I'll be honest with you. On a, we were getting we were getting beat, and I was humiliated, and I, I hated every minute of it, because we were getting beat, and I hate getting beat. But the reception the Leeds fans give me was something that'll never leave me. It was that it was that special to me. Obviously, I was devastated. I didn't want to. I couldn't clap or salute and say thank you because we we, we were getting beat at the time. But that'll always live me live with me. That
1: and like you said, Leeds won the game four nil and also won the return fixture at the Riverside one nil in February with Marcelo Bielsa as Leeds's head coach, as you would have known. Did you have a chance to speak to Marcelo during the match or after or whenever, really?
2: Yeah, I spoke to him. I spoke to him after the match on both occasions. He just said to keep on going, do what you believe in, uh, and 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 that stood with me really of 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 what the team manager he was. The first time we played him, I was coaching with Tony Pulis, and he he come into the office after the game and he brought this big massive booklet in, brought that thick full of. People formations that we played, substitutions, substitutions we make on certain minutes. So he like knows what moves he's going to make, which players he brings off. Does he put uh, a right back and a right winger or a right wing on the left hand side? What does he do? So he give me all this. He give me this file. So I was straight away. I'm having that. But he was. I spoke to him a bit in in, in Spanish as well. I I can speak a bit of Spanish, so I had that conversation with him in that as well. But he's a manager who plays like you want your teams to play week in, week out. I bet you're right, you're getting beat six you get beat six two by Man United, don't you? Yeah. You had some chances in that game. Yeah. i tell you what, you had the right go. And I suppose that's what every fan wants to see. My team having a go. Alright you get beat six two, but i tell you what, you go to the next game, beat West Brom five nil. Exactly, and then yeah. you go uh, you get beat three nil, but your next game in in two weeks time in the league you've got two games in four days you'll have a right goal again won't you and you might get beat I'll tell you what you might win and you'll play some exciting football you're you're proud of your manager aren't you
0: oh definitely. you've changed that completely this final section of the show is where our followers get to ask their questions to our guest by commenting on our LUFC fans on Instagram post each episode we select four questions which are commented and put them forward to our guest
1: This week's first question comes from Chris who asks did the players know about overspending under the previous chairman Peter Ridsdale when he was spending millions during the early 2000s and at what point did you realise that the only solution was to sell the club's prize assets such as yourself and many other valuable first team players? Well
2: we we don't get involved in club affairs and, and it's got nothing to do with us what the club spends but I'll tell you something about Peter Ridsdale he Chase the dream for that football club. And he tried to do his best. And fair enough, OK, it didn't work out towards the end. But I'll tell you what, we had some good nights before that. And people still in Leeds now still talk about them Champions League nights and the UEFA Cup nights and being up there second and third in the, in the Premier League and first trying to chase the the, the the top honours. So he chased that dream. And he did done unbelievable for, for Leeds United. OK, we spent a bit too much. And because that season we didn't finish third, Instead of fourth, like you do now, that's why we that's why we had to sell because we didn't get the Champions League money. So you can't you can't like Leeds fans might hammer him. But you've got to look at the good side as well of what he did for the football club at that time. Where, like I say, we chased the Premier League, we chased the European Cup, we chased the UEFA Cup. We didn't get there, but we had a right goal, just like your team's doing now. We had a right
0: go. This week's second question comes from Ben, who asks after your time at Leeds, you made the impressive switch to Real Madrid in 2004. But out of your former Leeds United teammates, who do you think were also good enough to play alongside you in that Real Madrid team?
2: Rio Ferdinand. Without a shadow of a Rolls-Royce, uh, he could have played in any team he wanted to. He was, that- he was-, he was really good. When he first came, um, defensively, I-, I thought he was a bit he was more of a ball playing centre half, but the older he got and when especially when he went at Man United, he was on a different level to anyone in world football, I'd say. He was outstanding. Who else could probably play on that team? Uh, I don't just there's, there's different ones. Imagine Smudger over there. <laughs> Imagine Smudger In a few uh in a few players. No, he had some really good players. I thought Harry Koo was outstanding. uh the the, the more he started playing in the first year, I thought he was really good. Um, the best player in our youth team. I know we're not about youth team players, but the best player in our youth team was Stephen McPhail by some distance. Yeah, quite an,
0: a few people have said that as was, well. Yeah, unbelievable.
2: The time he used to have on the ball and the passing, the pass he used to hit, whether it be short, long, or the time of the pass, what side to play it on, he was he was an incredible player. Incredible. I just don't think he had um, the speed to really go through the the Premier League because then days you need power. Like Stephen if he had Stephen Gerrard's pace, then he'd have been on a different
0: level. Yeah. Next up is Mitch and a question about your recent time at Middlesbrough. How did you prepare your Brewer side for the two matches against Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds team last season and how did it differ from the way that you set up in other fixtures?
2: Well, playing against Leeds, you have to try and match their physicality and how much they're running and it is, it is difficult to, to put up a team against them because they are just, like I say, relentless. So there's a lot of work done on the training ground of, of how you want to play. Do you go with a back four? Do you go with a back five? We went with a back four on the day. But like I say, we were, we were well beaten on that day. Um, but at home, I thought the home game, we were good. And I thought we played really well in that home game. So like I say, also it depends on time of the goals. Second minute, you score and, last kick of the game in the first half is an absolute killer so the game might have been a bit more tight if we didn't concede that second goal but we were well beat
1: and this week's final question comes from Andre who asks what was your favourite memory in a Leeds United shirt
2: best memory uh, it's got to be my debut my debut I know it's the boring answer but my debut um, playing away at Lazio singing with the fans after the game uh, my first goal against Sheffield. Um, lessons I learned from that that club really. I was there, a the fourteen year old, all the way till I was I was twenty three year old. You know, I'd learned so many lessons from the football club itself and and the coaches. You know, the upbringing I got from, from a lot of them coaches are lessons that I still teach my kids now of, of different things we uh, different things that we learned at that time. Yeah, I'll i keep on going. on. I could talk all day. We is about and I remember when when we used to stay in digs, I remember we had the housekeeper called Pete Gumby and his wife Maureen. Every morning without fail, he used to be on our door at 8 knocking on the door. And we had to stand at our beds, seriously, like the army, and he'd come in as your bedmaid, as your bedmaid. Every day without fail. If there's any anything on the floor, you'd like hoover up now. So we were in that was instilled into us from a, from a from an early age when we were 16 years old so now every morning I'll go into my son's room is your bed made <laughs> little lessons that you pick up you teach you, you teach your kids so I'm I'm just thankful of what Leeds United have done for my, for, my, for my career and for me as a person really incredible football
0: and that ends today's episode thank you to everyone for sending your questions and thank you so much for your time Jonathan it's been great having you on the show
1: no problem lads We'll be back next week with another guest. Stay tuned for the post over on our LFC Fan Zone Instagram later in the week. Thanks for listening.